Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Your Week with St. Luke's, um, where I am joined by some amazing St. Lukers, uh, who we are going to have a conversation about our theme for this week uh, in our 24 and More Vision series. And uh, our theme this week is all about mentorship and how we have real, authentic relationships, how we build community, um, how we find uh, people to do life with that can help us and that we can help them. Um, so I'm going to let all of my uh, friends here introduce themselves. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Melissa. I'm one of the pastors here at St. Luke's and excited to share in this conversation. Hello, I am Sheila Barchuk, known as Miss Sheila to most of the children and young moms uh, throughout St. Luke's. I've been a member since 2004 but truly active since 2000. And you will find me anywhere that there are children. So I do Wednesday night children's. I do Sunday school. I am, I prefer to call it child guardian rather than child wrangler through <laughs> theater. And uh, I am also greeter and hostess at the 1115. Hi, I'm Steve McKinnon. Um, I am the artistic director here at St. Luke's, which means I am the director of contemporary worship. And I'm also the artistic director of theater at St. Luke's. Um, so I get to work with lots of people from all over the place, all ages. Um, I've been on staff since I was a young adult myself, um, and for about 15 and a half years now. Hello, I'm Katie Thomas Slack. I've been a St. Luker since 2006, um, and have, uh, I joined when I was 22 years old. So I've kind of come up the, the different ways that one can be involved in the church um, as an adult. Um, I went through the dancers, um, uh, being part of worship uh, with that group, young adults. I've been involved in uh, cluster groups, live together groups, and um, served in leadership on the church council and the lay leadership committee, um, and currently serving on the strategic visioning committee. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. I am excited to get to talk with you all and hear some of your experiences. And I want to kick off with that. Um, so since we are talking about mentorship, um, I want to give you guys a chance to celebrate people who have mentored you. So uh, in just a few sentences, who is someone who has been a mentor to you and what was why was that relationship important? Which one was Sheila? Go. Okay. <laughs> following the, the list, the lineup. Um, I am sure that my first mentor was my mother. Uh, I see myself becoming more and more like her every day. And as a young person, we have a tendency to say, oh, I am not gonna become my parent. I don't want to become my parent. And then the next thing you know, you learn to embrace that. And you pick the things that you cherish the most about your parent. And that is what you move forward with. Secondly, mine is kind of ironic because I worked in pharmacy at a children's hospital. 
And my greatest love was pediatric oncology. And many people ask me, how in the world can you work in a place where children are not going to make it? And the children are the ones that taught me some of my life's greatest lessons. Uh, sickness comes and we don't, we can't heal anyone, but we can give them the best day that they can possibly have. And I think that's what I try to do with my little loves throughout St. Luke's is whatever the situation is, give them the best day. And a child does not have a worry mode. An adult does. And if an adult is told something is terribly wrong with them, worry takes over. And worry causes sickness. A little human wants to know where the playroom is. So little children have mentored me just as much as grown-ups and my mother. That's beautiful. Katie, go ahead. Well, I, I don't know how I follow that. That was beautiful. Um, thank you, Sheila. Um, so I agree that, you know, looking outside of St. Luke's, I've been fortunate enough to have a, an immense amount of mentors in my life and um, definitely uh, can relate to my mother being my first mentor. And I am her now. It's kind of crazy. Um, looking at the church, and the time that I've spent there, probably the first mentor that comes to mind as far as the first person that I met and who has continued with me my entire journey is Carol Banga, who is the um, head of the dance ensemble um, and has been a St. Louis since I think 1983, like a really long time, um, is, um, you know, similar generationally to my parents. Um, and similar, I, I feel also in, in thought processes. So maybe that's where the connection was, but she has guided me, you know, through the ins and outs of my twenties into my, you know, marriage, into parenthood, into, and everything from, you know, life, home, family life to career, to, you know, looking at towards the future and, um, you know, everyone knows her mother, uh, Ruth McKeefrey, who is a legend, and um, she's fortunate enough to still have her. Um, and I believe Ruth just turned 100. So um, having lost my mother when she was 64, so nine years ago, um, there have been times where I have been fortunate enough to, I hope, I feel, you know, be someone with perspective for Carol um, when she is looking at her mother, um, getting older. And so in a way I've been able to give back a little bit what Carol's given me, but, um, she's the first one that comes to mind. Um, when I think about somebody that I've encountered specifically through St. Luke's, there's a bunch more, but I'll stop there. Awesome. Steve. So one of my um, greatest mentors that's been with me for the longest time is an artistic director at another theater in town. And uh, I met him when I was really young in my career. Um, and I was just starting out in Orlando. 
after I'd moved down here with the college program and this, uh, he had really kind of taken me under his wing, um, took some risks on me, but was always there as a authentic voice of feedback to push and to elevate me, um, and did elevate me a lot and would also challenge me, um, and hold up a mirror, um, but also walk with me a lot through personal struggles as well as professional, um, peaks and valleys. And, uh, I, you know, that relationship has changed a lot, I think over the last 20 years, but, um, it is, it is one that I value and hold closest to my heart. And when I think of a mentor, um, that person pops in my head first and foremost. So, um, just because it's been every facet of, of my career and actually it, it infiltrates your personal life. And then I think we have both kind of challenged and uplifted one another as well, um, over, you know, over the, over, over that whole course of that relationship. That's beautiful. Thank you all for sharing. I know this is a short list among uh, a much longer one for all of you. Uh, so I want to now kind of backtrack a little bit because we've been able to name the people who have mentored us and the ways that we have found ourselves um, hopefully participating in that as well. Uh, so what what does that word mean? You know, the word mentorship uh, I think there is there are some assumptions that a lot of times there's a, a common understanding of what that means. Um, I think we we envision a lot of times uh, a, a one one vision for that one picture of what that means. So I wonder if each of you can talk about maybe you know what what does that um, what what is what has been different maybe what what is that sort of stereotypical image of mentoring, uh, and and maybe what has mentoring really been for you that might be a little bit different from that. I think when I think about a mentor, um, the first thing that pops to my mind is like Master Splinter and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know that's a little <laughs> dating. No, me. no, um, <laughs> but. You know, um, and I think what it, what is different in, in my experiences on both sides of it, of having one and of being one, um, is that a mentor is not perfect and does not have all the answers and is not necessarily the, the, what you would think of. I think when you think of a mentor, they're not perfect, right? And I think that's what makes that shared human experience of growth, um, trust, and accountability valid. Um, because because we grow from each other as humans. And I think instead of making them like the sage, like kind of, you know, this ever omniscient, like knowing um, presence, I think they're, they're, we're all human. And that's that's the best part of a mentorship, I think, is sort of that shared experience. One might say mutuality um, through experience of a mentor. I agree with that. I think that the first thing that comes to mind when I think of what I believe mentoring is and what um, the ultimate goal of it is, is, is somebody who helps you grow um, in every way you could possibly grow, whether that is, um, looks at physically, they can't make you taller, but they can help you grow in your faith. They can help you grow in your knowledge of the world or of a life experience. Um, and sometimes that growth, like Steve says, is mutuality, like helping make you realize that you have something to give back, that you have worth in your, um, whatever you choose to relate with, um, whether that's experience or, or information or anything like that. But it's definitely, um, 
someone that helps you helps bring out your growth and um, take you to wherever it is that you need to be along that journey. Being the oldest one in the lot, uh, I think mentorship, when you really look at the definition, it says uh, someone with experiences, with wisdom, age. Um, boy, have I had a lot of experiences. And a lot of them have not been good. You know, a lot of them have been very hard and very sad. And one of the things that I have said to even myself over and over is God didn't put me through, through, not to, but through a life situation just to be. So he put me through this so that maybe there is someone who is going through a situation that, hi, I can be a maybe mentor to you, not to give you advice or tell you how to do it, but to reassure you that you will get through it. Yeah. Yeah. That perspective is often what it ends up being. And, you know, I think that's beautiful because um, I'll, I'll, I'll tweak just a little bit to say that, that God, God isn't the one putting us through things, but God sure does redeem what we've been through and makes, and, and makes good out of the things we've been through, right? When things aren't, aren't what we would have, when things are, are painful, when things are hard, um, God's not gonna, gonna let that just stand by itself. God's gonna take and, and use that for something good, um, to be able to, to sit and look at someone and say, Hey, there's another side it's coming. And I think y'all kind of hit on some pieces of, of one, that piece of mutuality that, um, you know, Sheila, you said from the beginning, one of the mentors you named were children. And so that breaks that stereotypical top down. I am the person to bestow wisdom upon someone else. Um, it, it sort of shatters that image and changes it to something that allows us to, to have a more mutual relationship, that it is a relationship, um, that it's something where everybody brings something to the table and we're, we're able to, to receive and to give. Um, and in the same way, like you said, Steve, it's not about being a hundred percent prepared or knowledgeable about something or perfect in any way. Um, it's something we do from exactly where we are, wherever we are. Right. I would add. Yeah, go ahead. I would add to Melissa that, um, one of the things that I hear gaining traction in the corporate world, um, when mentorship is discussed is you hear this phrase that's like, well, the mentor is going to tell you the hard things, the things that are hard to hear about yourself. They'll give you the honest truth. There's sort of this idea that, you know, you, you have a mentor and they're going to give you the bad news. And so I really, I, I really dislike that um, because I think that that both is ill-defined and gives license to people who may actually not be great at mentoring to say things in a way that can actually hurt rather than help. And so I liked, um, you know, what, what Sheila said, as far as giving the perspective and the, and potentially lessons learned 
um, and other ways of thinking about things based on experience that, that Steve's point isn't, isn't perfect, um, but is rather relational, you know, and can allow if somebody needs to confront something about themselves or learn something or change something, that perspective can help open the door for them to choose to do that. But I do think you have to, in order to have that conversation, you have to have an established trust, respect, love, and it, you can't just get it by, you know, setting up time, you know, with a stranger and saying, give me the bad news. You know, you have to foster and grow and really take the time to hear somebody's voice and listen to their heart. Yeah. I love that, Katie. I, th I think a powerful and successful mentor, there would be that empathy, right? And that relationship built in. Um, so it's not just someone to come in and uh, yeah, because that that's a wild corporate um, understanding of that. And I do think it is crucial to have that empathy built into that relationship. Yeah, one of the frameworks that um, I've used in, in some of these conversations is one out of a place called the Search Institute, um, and they talk about what a developmental relationship is, which is basically a mentoring relationship. Um, and one of the one of the qualities of a of a mentoring relationship is to challenge growth, is what they call it. Um, but that's not the first one on the list. The first one on the list is express care. Um, that that I always say you you earn the opportunity to get to challenge growth if you spend enough time expressing care, because that lets people know that you are there for them, um, not for an outcome, not for results, not for them feeling good about what they've taught you, but that it is truly just that relationship between two people, not necessarily me needing to, to see a specific outcome. So... So I want to shift into talking a little bit more about why we are talking about this in our vision. Um, we have done a lot of work in the last year of looking at the demographics of our community. Um, what are the largest and fastest growing populations that are in our sphere here um, in Southwest Orlando? Um, and the fastest growing demographic that we've seen is one that we refer to um, broadly as singles and starters. So young working professionals, young couples, and families with young children. These are groups that have spent have spent their life on the internet in a lot of ways, and certainly their adulthood. Um, and so they understand what it means to have, you know, heroes in your life, people that you look to, people that you see sharing their life in different ways. Now, a lot of times that's um, Instagram influencers, which is not always the most helpful uh, uh, version of sharing your life. But but there is an expectation and understanding that that is um, the way that we can can look at people and 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 lift people up. Um, but in the same way, we, we see them looking for heroes of faith in, in, uh, on our side of things. Um, they're definitely interested in social justice. Their uh, priority, priority in that is making a difference. They, they want to, to, to turn the tides and to move the needle and to be part of something that is actually shifting where our world is going. Um, they aren't necessarily drawn to um, uh, not necessarily, and, and I'm going to say traditional, but not traditional in the sense of worship style, but traditional in the sense of the things the church has always done. They're not interested in those traditional church structures in a lot of ways. Um, they are going to, but they, they, they are looking for those, those heroes, those leaders. They are looking for someone to, to follow and to help um, guide them and inspire them. 
We also see uh, families with small children who are looking for resources. Um, Katie's going to share a little bit about her experience in a little while, but but parents, it's hard to be a parent right now. Um, it is hard to, 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 it's always been hard to be a parent, but right now we have a lot of parents who are, are struggling. Um, these folks are looking for people who are going to help them thrive in life. Things like helping with resumes and personal finance, anything related to parenting and how to support them as they support and raise their kids. Um, and in the midst of that, they don't have a lot of time to attend things. So in the same way that that uh, the other groups and singles and starters um, don't necessarily show up for sort of those standard church events like worship, um, this is the same for these young parents as well. They're more likely, if they're going to get connected to a church, get connected to a church through a small group um, or through a short-term commitment, like a series that's three or four weeks. Um, and when they attend worship, they want really good hospitality. They want to see themselves there. They want to, to be cared for in that space. They want to feel welcome and included and affirmed. Um, and they, if, if they're parents, they want to feel like their kids are welcome, included, and affirmed, and that the space is safe for their kids. So that's a really quick summary of a very broad swath of folks, um, but just even taking some of those high-level demographic pieces, uh, how does that align with y'all's experience, knowing young adults, knowing young parents in our community? How have you seen any of that play out? So um, I'll start by sharing actually not the parental perspective, but that of a um I'll say young, early 30s, newly married individual um, of, you know, eight years ago. Um, my husband and I, when we were dating, actually joined the West Orange uh, Connection Cluster Group, which was a, a, a cluster group organized by geography, um, and found ourselves um, with a group of folks who we were decades younger than, you know, all the time in, at, at every one of their gatherings. Um, and, um, but what we found was that there was a lot of mutual interest, mutual belief, uh, mutual mindset amongst them um, and us um, with respect to well, the fact that a lot of them had become empty nesters. They were just starting retirement. So they were interested in travel and experiences and fine wine and like all these amazing things where um we found this connectedness um and yet also um found uh comfort in the fact that we both my husband and i you know as we grew and got married and, and became parents we do not live close to our parents our parents are in um different states and so a lot of these folks in this group came alongside with the wisdom of people who had been parents and now grandparents, as well as a community um, to uh, help us um, be supported. And I would say the biggest thing that they and others in the church of that um, age group have provided is um, the perspective of peace through faith. Because when you're a new parent, and even when you're in an early part of your marriage, you're you're really seeking control and you feel really helpless when you can't answer the social media call of how you're supposed to parent the exact right way and have career the exact right way and have a marriage the exact right way. And the fact of the matter is, is there is a great deal that's outside of your control, but you have to have faith when you approach it, faith in yourself, faith in, in God, obviously, 
and people who have been there before and who are still operating that way as they approach their own life milestones um, through retirement and empty nesting and grandchildren have that assurance to give back. Um, so that's where I know my husband and I have seen the that benefit as a single and starter and connecting with another group that is not in the starting basically. Yeah, that's huge. Now, Steve and Sheila, you guys probably see our our sort of current line. You know, Katie's been able to talk about like I've been there, I've experienced it. But you guys spend a lot of time with our current um, young adults through theater, um, our current young parents as they pick up and drop off kids. Um, what are are you seeing these kind of demographic pieces play out? How do you how do you hear those articulated? For sure. Um, I think these demographics sound pretty on the nose for the folks that we get into the theater specifically. Um, we get a lot of, you know, late high school, early college, um, and even returning college age young adults. And then, you know, the 20, 20 through 30 set um, that come out to be involved both in their passion, which might be the arts um, on stage, off stage, any part of that. And I think the greatest commonality there is looking for connection, um, people looking for um, authentic connection, right? And shared shared interest, of course. Um, but that shared interest can be anything from like like where Katie got plugged in, your kind of where you live, right? Or it could be an interest in theme parks, it could be an interest in performing. Um, but from that, the mentorship part of it comes from their their experience with people. Right. And looking for authentic people that are not there to just be a bossy voice, um, but to share to share whatever that might be um, that's genuine. Right. That, that 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 is mutual, that they connect over. And then those relationships are the ones that end up, you know, you'll see folks get connected, myself included, but through social media afterwards when the show's over. Um, and whatever, whatever that might be, but then our adults getting involved in the older adults in our community, getting involved in the lives of these people, um, going to see their shows, going to support them, um, and support them through life, whether it be, um, if a high schooler is having a show or if it is someone got in a car accident, how do we walk beside those people? If somebody is having a child, if someone passed away. You know, we've dealt with everything from life, beginning of life, the end of life through through the ministries I'm involved with and seeing folks be in that and be connected and fall on each other. And then those genuine connections stay through people and they can be connected in your career too. You know, those connections that are made at St. Louis, which are wildly powerful, getting people getting connected and elevating one another um, because because we're invested in and um, but it does. There is a there is a mutuality of, of even just interest, right? What what you might be interested in, um, or life experience in. Um, it starts. I think it starts there, um, and where theater is so broad, um, in terms of yeah, it could, be, it could be theater you're interested, in, but it's not even that, right? It could be you're interested in engineering. We have we've got a bunch of folks who are engineers and going to school for engineering, and then end up, and then then there's also folks that are in our shows that are professional engineers later mid career. And so just people seeing that those relationships being connected, it, it's pretty powerful um, to see it in action. 
I want to highlight some of the pieces that I've gotten to see in being part of some of those ministries too, is, is when those big life events happen, whether it's tragedy in community, whether it's um, tragedy in personal life, whether it's just a hard season, those are the times that I think it, you see different relationships that reemerge that may have, have only been for a couple of months during a show, but when, when you're going through something, particularly as a young adult, um, the people who are going to be able to support you the best often aren't your peers. Um, there, there's certain support you need from peers, but there is certain support you need from someone who is not also in your same life stage and not also going through it in the same way. You need someone to come and say, been there with you, get it going to sit with you in this. And I think that's where those, those intergenerational relationships just, they, they, they are wonderful in everyday life. They shine when those key moments in life that are harder to walk through show up. Yeah. And they can authentically don't have to necessarily always have the answer, but they know how to show up Yep, or they know how to listen and they know how to empathize and live and share life with you. I love that, Melissa. It's beautiful. That is. One of the things that I am seeing, um, and you know, it was the same situation with being a, a young parent. You want to get your children involved into a church community so that you establish friendships with, with like-minded believers we send our chil- children to school and you're away from them. You have no idea what they're being exposed to, who is guiding them or leading them as far as their peers. So you, the children's program, the middle school program, the youth programs are vital because that is the reassurance that gives the parents the confidence to build friendships there. I see parents now just sitting in the rotunda area on the sofas. That's a brilliant idea, putting sofas so that they can sit and speak to each other and share stories. Some of them are still working from home. So this is their moment to log in and get their work done, but know that their children are safe. Know that their children are being nurtured, being guided. We play, we play a lot because they've been in school all day. When we get them at at 6.30 on a Wednesday night, they don't want another lesson. They want a community. And so we allow them to have that. Yeah. I want to name something that I'm hearing in some of what you're talking about, Sheila, because one of the things that that there is space in place for how we need to each take responsibility for knowing our kids and caring for them. But there's something that by caring for them, you care for their parents too. Exactly. Um, and, And I have had those experiences working in youth ministry at times where as a youth volunteer, I, I, because of that have built relationships with kids, parents. 
And they're able to ask me questions because they know of the time I spend with their kids. And so I, as a non-parent, you know, even in my 20s and things like that, was able to offer care and support to people in the thick of parenting because they had also spent time with their kids. So I think that's also one of those things to break out of the idea of children's ministry being just about children and youth. It's really about a whole family. Um, One of the things, and I will, I will go back to, to my, my hospital and, and um, most people don't realize that you have a person, whether it be a child especially if it's child. If you have a child that's sick, it affects the entire family. If you have a parent that is sick, it affects the entire family. And so we have to learn to love and nurture the entire family, not just the one that's struggling or the one that's broken or the one that's sick. We have to, it, it's, it's a unit. So I wonder thinking, uh, sort of zooming out a little bit again, what, what are sort of those key, what are those, what are those key uh, uh, characteristics we have to develop in ourselves to be ready to be in a mentoring relationship or, or maybe on the other hand, what are, what are the barriers when, when people say, oh, that's not for me. What, um, no, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I, or I did that already. Maybe if they were a teacher or when I was a parent, um, no, I did my time now I'm on to something else. What are, what are the things that you, you see that, that, that separate people from, from being able to jump in and own a mentoring relationship? I, I, I feel very passionately about this, Melissa. Um, and I want to rewind to something you said when you were describing the um, the demographics um, as far as people not being interested in tradition. I think that that right there, that that um, characteristic can sometimes kind of take on a life of, it, of its own and be a barrier because um, it is, sometimes people have a hard time articulating what that means if there's somebody who is interested in a different way of doing things. And then on the flip side, sometimes a person who's maybe lived that stage of their life will turn around and say, well, I have nothing to offer here because kids these days, quote unquote, are not interested in these types of things. The thing that always comes to mind for me is fine China, right? Like I hear it every single year, um, you know, especially at the United Methodist Women's Tea, shout out to the women of faith. um, That's like, oh, we have all these spare sets of China because, you know, young people these days, they're not interested in that tradition. The thing of it is, though, is that there, even though the, I think that you're not going to love. I it. am. I know you are, Steve. I have two sets of China, too. And this is what I'm saying. The point is, <laughs> the point is, is that there's different if you if you stop there, if you hear, OK, well, tradition and therefore what you might have from you know a previous experience is no longer valid then you lose the point the thing is that while everyone may not be looking for what they might define as tradition everyone is looking for touchstones 
things that connect them to the past, the present, and the future. And back to what Sheila was saying, you know, those who were privileged to grow up in a church community, maybe they've stepped away, maybe their church wasn't, it became something that they didn't want to be a part of anymore, whatever. They come to St. Luke's or they come to an establishment and they are looking for the familiarity, the positive part, that touchstone. And so I think that that when you sell yourself or someone else's experience short and say, well, we're not going to connect because, you know, of whatever they don't like my tradition or I'm non-traditional or however you want to label it, you lose the opportunity for a touchstone. You lose the opportunity to sing the words of a hymn that was written in the 1800s in contemporary worship. You lose the opportunity to step into the traditional worship space. Like I'm, I'm an organ and choir girl, like through and through, but I all the time will walk in and out of traditional worship. Sometimes I'm not wearing shoes. You know, there's, that's, that's, you, there are many ways to define uh, your worship experience, your life experience, and we can have commonality through our touchstones, you know, and just unite through that. So I think allowing this the face definition of something um, to prevent you from connecting is is a barrier. I also think, Melissa, another barrier is people's self-confidence in their life and their life experience and don't necessarily view themselves as a leader um, or as that that sort of person that's called to mentorship. And they don't realize their own, you know, gifts that they have uh, a relativity that they can connect to and lived experience. Um, because I think being a mentor does build yourself one of the gains we have of being a me- anyone who chooses to step into that space is you you grow as a leader, right? There's what there's a lyric in um in King and I in uh Whistle a Happy Tune. It's one of my favorite Oscar Hammerstein lyrics. And it's um it's a very ancient saying, but a true and honest thought that when you become a teacher by your pupils, you'll be taught. Um, and I just, and it's not, and I know that says the word teacher, but that can be, you know, many different meanings. Um, and I think part of what a mentor does is teach, but it's not just teaching. Right. Um, so I, I think we all have something to share, teach, lead, but sometimes certain, certain folks don't feel that they are in that elevated position and don't see that within themselves. So I think that's a huge I think too, you know, some of the best mentorships uh, weren't ones that were uh, intentional, if that makes sense. So again, going back to the theater ministry example, I don't think that most of the um, adults and older adults in that are coming to be part of a theater show are going, I'm coming to mentor the young people. Um, I don't think that that's the intention they set out for themselves, but because of the way that they come to just be part of the community, it kind of just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are the characteristics that you see of people who are, who find themselves in those kinds of spaces? What, what has, what have they nurtured in themselves? What are sort of those postures that you see of people who, who may not have, again, chosen or signed up to be a mentor, but just do it? I'd say the acceptance of intergenerational, intergenerationality. I don't know if that's a word. It is. Um, you're good. Okay. You're good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, we've all heard it. 
when you're entering the workforce or you, I heard it when I became a leader, you know, you are young enough to be my daughter, my grand, some cases, granddaughter, like, you know, and, and I, I, those, those comments are typically made with good intention. Um, But where I've really seen it work is when, you know, I've had experiences where someone kind of places that upon me or upon someone I know, and that is, again, a barrier. They're like, oh, well, they're younger than me. They're old enough to be my daughter. And therefore, what do I have to learn from them? Nothing. I'm always going to know more. Or they were once my my intern and now they're my boss. You know, how am I going to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but where it works is where it's like, oh, kind of what you were saying earlier, Melissa, like this person is my daughter's age. Therefore, I can, they have something to teach me that I'm not necessarily getting from, you know, my um, own children because there's a relationship between children and parents that is different than just an, another person. And, um, and so almost seeing an equality in in your all being adults in some cases, not being adults, but just being humans and every human having something to give um, and accepting that I think is something that I I've seen commonly um, in people that do walk in and thrive in these spaces, you know, um, Daniel Tiger, for those of you who know the infinite wisdom of Daniel Tiger Mm -hmm. has a song um, where he says, everyone is big enough to do something you know, and, and the whole point is like, you know, Daniel is big enough to help to a certain degree, his parents, but not big enough to maybe use the grown up tools, but he is also big enough to help his little sister, you know, and she's big enough to help him with things. And, and, um, so there is, uh, that message there that I think is very true when you think about people who accept intergenerationality and thrive in those spaces. That's awesome. Can we sing that song in worship, Steve? Is that an option? Sure. Let me, let, me listen, let me listen to it first. <laughs> it's cute. My my daughter has taught me so much. And um, I have to be careful what I say and how I say, because um, she's a behavior analyst. And so the way that I taught her is not the way that she has been educated to teach. I am very, very happy to be able to say that she has far more education than I do. Um, And that I can learn from her every day. And I think what makes me better at this season in life with the children that I am in contact with now is the guidance of the things that she has shared and the things that she has learned. And I I am careful now, even with my grandchildren, that I always try to say, I had my turn. Now it's your turn. Um, You lead and I will follow. And you'll find that the things that I did that she, that empowered her and helped her 
are the things that she still uses. But I hope and pray that I keep learning more and more so that I can be the grandparent that is following. And I know I have said to Steve and I've said to you, to Melissa's, tell me what to do. Just tell me how you want to do it. Lead me and I will follow. And that is why, because I know that in certain areas, you all have more of the expertise. I've just got the heart. Yeah, I I love that, Sheila, because the, the thing that I would highlight in people that I watch who are these natural, just have a presence about them um, and become mentors, whether they realize it or not, um, is is often a, it just starts with a deep faith, um, faith that I wish, I hope one day I can also have that deep of faith. Um, because I, I think when you, when you are, have a deep faith in God, when you truly believe in God's presence in and among us, when we truly believe that God's image is in you, um, when you truly believe the Holy Spirit is still swirling around us and inviting us into her work, I, I think you are, you are less um, prideful um, either in a way that says I'm the only one who knows how to do this or that I, I, I know nothing and, and have nothing to offer. I think your ego gets set aside in a different way when, when you do that personal faith work. Um, and, and, you know, in, in our, in our lead your life class, we talk about how callings are multiple changing and lifelong that, that your callings change. They're not the same in different mm-hmm ages and stages and phases and life experiences like Katie, the calling of diapers and toddlers will end, right? It will change. Better end. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but, but the callings will still come and, and being able to, to have a posture of faithfulness to that and, and deep belief in that means that when they do come, you're more aware of them and you're ready to respond to them. Um, even if you didn't, didn't know they were coming, didn't walk in ready for that. So I think there's something to that, that there's that deep faith. If we've done our personal discipleship work, then it's incredible how God brings different groups of people together. I have to tell one story of my own of seeing this happen at St. Luke's is um, there's a group that I've been uh, gotten the privilege to lead over the last few years and even through the pandemic um, called Breathing Space. And we had a group that uh, accidentally became very intergenerational uh, because we had moms who were dropping their kids off at the CDC um, and uh, some older women who uh, didn't want to come to an evening event, wanted to do something during the day. And so we had this group that that formed for a 10 o'clock in the morning on Thursday group that watching the mutuality between those two and it has developed through the last few years that many of those relationships are still there. And I've watched God do crazy things because we have had women um, uh, who have been going through really painful divorces and, um, but they they come at different times often 
not anything that is part of the advertising. It just becomes where God draws them. And they come at different stages to where um, they're able to mentor each other because they're just one step beyond where the next one is coming in. And I've watched them care for each other um, stage by stage that that I'm not the pastor they need. That's that's the pastor they need um, to be able to do that. And so if we're open to what God's doing, it's incredible how much work God has already done for us if we just are willing to jump in to that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. It's okay. You, can, you started. Sorry. I just wanted to build on that um, real quick with regards to the parents out there. Um, you know, you talk about the the commonality you're seeing with these folks that that fall into mentorship or who um, you know end up in these spaces to help one another is having this deep faith. Um, I think that's so crucial, especially when you are. Um, mentoring or being a community for young parents, um, because you also mentioned the calling of diapers and toddlers. Let me just tell you, it's a very special person who's called the diapers and toddlers. And what I realized is that as deeply as I wanted a family and to have that, um, once I got into it, it was not what I expected, um, which is a vulnerable and yet more common truth that I learned than, than what is actually talked about. And so I would say too, where I've seen what I've been, where I've been able to have people come alongside in faith and St. Luke's mentors is confronting that. And also the reassurance of faith when my own faith is shaken, when you, when you hope for, and you pray for something and then you get it and it's not what you expected, there's a lot of guilt and shame that comes with that. And a lot of, you know, questions and, and, you know, in my own, personal experience when you're when you need resilience to go through the process of having children um that sometimes you find your faith shaken so that's also where you know these spaces can be so vital and where people who aren't sure who are afraid to get into the game of helping parents because so much has changed in the parenting game i want them to know that that is something that they can provide is that faith where where young parents are going through that tra- transition. And on the flip side, I want parents to know that if they are struggling with something like that, that there are folks that they can connect with who can offer that faith to them, even if it on the surface, it looks like they have nothing in common. Yeah, in a similar vein, I, you know, I've experienced and witnessed um, in theater this last summer, we had a, a performer who was, um, on an autism spectrum and she was partnered with another cast member and I was witnessing mentorship and it was unrealized um, but it was happening and I I wanted to recognize it within the person that I saw mentoring this young young performer and thank them and say hey I see this happening that you were guiding someone in an unknown space and someone who had already passed been here and, and sharing sharing some of that and it grew into sharing life and understanding some other you know learning about this this person's situation and it was kind of beautiful in terms of the unrealization of you were actually being a mentor and and it might be it's like you said about calling it might be for what's the phrase a season you know and i think it was just for the season i don't think necessarily this person's there to share full life but this person definitely lived into that fully and it was beautiful and i appreciated it and and i think 
everyone grew from it. And I think that person grew from it just as much as, as the um, performer she was she was um, performing alongside. So it was beautiful. So I want to wrap up and give you all um, one sort of one last thought. Um, if you were going to, as you are currently speaking to our congregation and our community, um, looking at the St. Luke's community, um, when we think about those young adults that are in our community flooding Orlando from all over the world, right? We're not just talking about kids who have grown up here. We are talking about college students and we're talking about performers and we're talking about people who um, have big dreams and all of the things that come with being, you know, a, a young 20 something. Um, and then those folks just one step farther who are young uh, uh, professionals starting their careers um, and, and starting to many of them become parents. When we think about who we are as St. Luke's, what, what is something either that you can name that we have to offer in our community um, or is what, is what is a message you would want our community to hear um, for those folks? You know my passion. And I call myself to a lot of young people, church grandma. My girls grew up in New Jersey. Grandparents were in Georgia. So at a time when there were um, grandparents days at school, they didn't have anyone to go for special performances, band concerts. They didn't have anyone to go. I think that a lot of the seniors that are my age who say, I've already been there, done that, there are so many things that they don't have to give a lot of their time. It's not really required. Do they have a heart to love? Do they have a heart to love? Because if they do, I would like to see us sign up to be grandparent for a day or grandparent for a month. Um, and I will share this one story. We weren't going to talk name, you know, I wasn't going to talk names, but you know, the East Steps are a part of our church now. Their family's in Pennsylvania. Uh, Matt was at the camp for the confirmation children. Braden was in a concert or his theater performance was at the high school. Heidi couldn't be a part. She had the other two. And I didn't even think about it, but I looked and there was a two o'clock matinee. So I went to a two o'clock matinee. And who got, who got the most out of it? It wasn't the performer's. It was a beautiful afternoon for me. And I had pride watching this 
high schooler perform as though for two, for two hours? Did I get to pretend I was his grandma? You betcha. And what a gift to Heidi and Matt, right? They don't, I don't even think that they realize. Even if they don't, right? It's a gift to them that somebody's loving their kid. And so, I mean, Katie, you can can chime in with this too, but there's nothing more supportive to a parent than showing them how much you love their kid, right? That's a true story. And coffee. Um, I would say, you know, for the for the young adults, you're, you, the people you described who are just like moving here to start their career, especially for the folks going into the theme park industry, where every day is like a unreal life truly i mean there there are some folks who move down here and they go right into an office involved in a theme park community and aren't connected necessarily in the parks themselves but many many of them you know are performers or servers or engineers or whatever where they are in this vacation kingdom you know of a variety of sorts you know and and every day is a unreal experience and so what i would say that st luke's has to offer is a a familiar peaceful home you know to step away from crazy schedules and christmas rehearsals in august and hot dogs you know at every meal and just go where you remember what normal life feels like because it is it's when you get enveloped in the theme park world you have to remember what normal life is um at least that was my experience and experience of so many people I knew um and you know I'll jump in there to say when we're talking about that it's it's the come have dinner at my house yes exactly come sit around a yes. table and have that. a meal right yes. it's it's being able to feel that home and not necessarily home in in a church sense home in in a life sense and my gosh how how many of us have empty chairs at our dinner table every night that would be so easy to have somebody over and and you know once a month once a week this is the night we're gonna we're gonna feed you and there's nothing that college students love more than a free meal right absolutely absolutely or you know like they maybe they got into performing because when they were a child their grandma stuck them in the church choir so like here's an opportunity to join a church choir and like have a minute away around the people that remind you of the people that you maybe knew um, or to have an experience that you maybe didn't have growing up, but you always heard about and, and wanted to try being a part of, you know, I, I think that that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing with respect to, you know, getting into parenthood is, and Sheila touched on it earlier and, and, you know, it's what Steve does with his life, you know, is have that authentic, safe connection for your children and your families. I mean, I think that's what St. Luke's has to offer. You can go into St. Luke's and know that you're going to encounter a variety of people who are going to authentically love you or, or, you know, welcome you or ask you about yourself um, and that you will be with people who are like-minded in faith, even if they're not the same in life. And there's something so powerful and, and safe in that.
Yaga, nothing. You just hit it out of the park. <laughs> um, that was beautiful. I agree. I, I think, I think it really just, I hope St. Lucas when this new vision can recognize the light within themselves and see them beyond themselves and their calling in the world and, and see from a higher level to see what the next steps are for all of us. And to make this world a better place is for us to actually make it a better place and, and to see yourself that light. Um, there's a quote that I found when I was researching mentorship and I just love it. I'm going to share it. Um, it says the greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own, right? How do we let people see the light within themselves? And how are we the person to do that work? Um, I, I think to hold interrupt yourself to say, oh, it's me to help you see that and to help you do that. And um, that can be one of the most beautiful things. Sometimes mentorship is elevating the person to your table and maybe they're going to end up having a bigger table and they're going to go even further. And that's, that's, that's what life's about is helping people fly. Right. And and that's the best feeling. It's not about seeing your name in lights. Right. But if you are the person behind those lights and part of it, if you're a light bulb in that person's name in lights, and I'm saying that as a metaphor, um, it's not about showbiz kid. Um, but it's about seeing a person soar and the, the light within yourself, that kind of light. But if you are one bulb in that person's inner light, um, how special. No, I think Steve knocked it out of the park. The metaphors. That's beautiful. I just made it up. That was, that was great. Oh, no, it was great because it's so true. Like I, 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 before I became a leader by title, I was a mentor for countless interns and, and young engineers. And I mean, so many of them have just passed me completely in, in their lives and from a, from a career standpoint. And it is so phenomenal to watch it's because it, you do you feel like i had a small part of that and then they just took it and ran mm -hmm. look at them go yep. yeah, yeah. i mentioned earlier he literally elevated me basically to his level and was like why would i be a, you know he's like i am smarter to have you here and to do what i do and to have people do things just as good as i do or do it differently and better you know and i think that's that that I will never let go of that. I think that is profound. Yeah. Well, and to to point you out, I mean, you were a kid with Broadway dreams and now have kids that you have mentored on Broadway. And that sometimes is more powerful and feels even better than having done it yourself. Yeah, one of them just texted me actually tonight. She just sent me a big message, Jasmine. So literally while we were doing this meeting. It's so weird. <laughs> hey Pops, I hope you and Jeremy are doing guys like, oh amazing it's all about love it is. honest it doesn't have to be difficult just show and share love that's yeah. it and with that <laughs> i that that really is at the core of what it's about so i uh, hope that you all will be in prayer for our whole congregation and continue to be mentors and models of what um what can be and what we all are able to be uh, for our our congregation, for our kids, for our parents, for our young people, from our, our young adults, um, and for our whole community. Because this isn't all about what happens here on St. Luke's campus. That's the other thing is this isn't necessarily about
about uh, creating programs here. It's about us being open to those relationships and being willing to say yes when when God nudges us in some way. So thank you all for sharing your hearts and your stories and for being such beautiful examples, um, both in your own experience, but also in the way that you lead your lives. Um, I am honored to serve alongside and with you all. Um, and, and so St. Lucas, we uh, look forward to seeing you in worship on Sunday, where we are going to talk a little bit more about this. We're going to talk about how we see this emerge in scripture of what it means to be the church from the very earliest days, that mentoring and mentorship and deep, real relationships are part of the way we are called. Um, so we will see you then on Sunday. Mm-hmm.